Hello, I'm Ben. And I'm Josh. And you are listening to the Saluki Tales podcast. This is a podcast where we explore student research done here at Southern Illinois University. So today, Ben, uh, our topic is quite interesting. Whenever you sign up or get a new job or you're signing up for classes, it seems like you always have training you have to do. And that training always has something to do with like sexual harassment or Title IX. Have you ever had to deal with that? Well, of course, uh, being here, I believe that's something we train as students every year. Obviously, student employees do the same thing. Uh, working at SIU for six or seven years now, that's one of the first things you have to do, and it's obviously very important. So, but where are you going with this, Josh? Well, what if we looked at Title IX from the view of athletics, and particularly collegiate athletics? Interesting. Tell me more. Well, today we're going to be talking to Jacqueline Biggs, or Jackie Biggs. Oh, I know her. Yeah, I do as well. And she wrote a paper uh, in 2017 about this very topic, and particularly looking at Title IX and its application at SIU and its broader effects. And she even ties it into the broader effects of Title IX across the nation. Well, fantastic. Can't wait to listen to Jackie. Stay tuned. Um, hi, my name's Jackie Biggs. I'm a grad student at SIU. Um, I don't know what else to say, so I'm just going to keep talking and rambling, and hopefully Ben knows what he's doing. Edumacational. Edumacational. Technical term here. big word. It is. So, Jackie, where are you from? You mentioned Colorado. Yeah, um, so I'm from, like, I guess you can consider it a suburb, but it's technically a little, like, it's right on the border between, like, a township called Greenwood Village and a place called um, Inglewood. It's right near like the Denver Tech Center. So pretty suburb suburban too. It's a little different. It was a bit of a culture shock coming here, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, what brought you to SIU? Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so originally SIU is a teacher's college and so kind of through my research, I knew I wanted to be a t-shirt teacher a t-shirt, a teacher. Um, so was just kind of looking around at different schools and they all had like very good education programs and SAU through like scholarships and everything actually ended up being cheaper than staying in state. And then the second reason was I was talking to a lot of the golf coaches cause I kind of started recruiting late. And so I started talking to the golf coaches being like, Hey, do you have a walk-on position for me? Um, and Alexis Mihalich, who was the coach here at the time, said, like, yeah, feel free to walk onto the team. Here's all this stuff. So, like, that was kind of like a seal-the-deal moment where I got to play college golf and go to a school with good education program. Okay, Jackie, we've come to the point in the show where Josh and I are going to ask you some really challenging questions, and you've got to defend, you've got to justify why we should care about your paper. You've got about two minutes. Uh, you are on the clock. And if you don't do it, something bad will happen. Starting now. So, okay, here's a question. When we're talking about, like, intercollegiate sports, uh, or intercollegiate, collegiate, however you say it. Intercollegiate, yeah. Collegiate. When we're talking about intercollegiate sports, what... We are on the clock, Josh. No pressure. Like, what is the main, like, goal behind these sports? Like, why is it important that we even have these programs, and why should they be equal opportunity for all sexes? Um, so, the athletics department's 
are very crucial, not only because they kind of create this own cultural aspect, like you think of college football and that's a huge deal and you have all these um, loyalties to the college football teams, but they provide opportunities. So if, if a football team has roughly 100 players, that's 100 students possibly receiving financial aid to attend college based on their abilities to perform. And I think those opportunities within sports are necessary because it gives students like, opportunities to higher education, education that they might not have had otherwise. Okay, Jackie, but I'm, I'm a little scared because I'm a guy, right? And I, yeah. I, I like opportunities too. Uh -huh. So does Title IX mean that you're going to take away positions on the basketball team to fund, a, to fund the women's golf team? No, because it doesn't um, work that way. So essentially the way Title IX works is not – it doesn't favor one gender over another. It's just that institutions have in the past had a preference for male students, so it feels like – it has to um, advocate for female students more. But like, let's just switch the tables around and say a school had more female athletic programs than male athletic programs. The school would then have to start funding male athletes too. So we're looking at your paper today and your paper is entitled from the sidelines to center field, the improvement of opportunities for female athletes at Southern Illinois University. So the, the topic of this paper and a lot of the background behind it is Title IX and the passing of Title IX legislation. Could you explain for us in your words and what you put in your paper, what Title IX is? Yeah, so Title IX kind of to the common man is usually referenced whenever people are talking about athletics, but it actually covers like a broader spectrum of that and essentially it applies to any institution that receives government funding cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. They have to receive the benefits um, funding regardless of their sex and so it's kind of used also for like sexual harassment today. That's a big one that it's also about. <laughs> so in all of your research, give us your story. What did you find out? What did you discover? What's the story of Title IX at SIU? Yeah, so where my research started was very much just like, what is Title IX? Because I wanted to make sure I had this like kind of complex idea about it, and I didn't want to just hop into it not knowing what I was talking about. And so that's kind of the beginning of my paper, just explaining how Title IX was passed in 1972. Like it basically bans um, any form of discrimination on sex. And from there, I talk about how it's a very broad statement just saying like you can't discriminate based on sex it's like okay what do we do with that and so from there you end up having all these different organizations mostly the department of health education and welfare also known as HUE. that's probably how i'll refer to it from now on so i apologize uh they kind of said okay we have to form these requirements and sau and um the a women's athletic department because at the time when this first started we had a male's athletic department and a women's athletic department and they were separate. Um, SAU's women's athletic department actually played a very key role in being involved in helping formulate those requirements and I found that out through looking um, through Dr. Charlotte West's like papers that we had in special collections here at Morris Library and we just and so through those regulations then they started saying like okay you have to make sure stuff is proportionate. You have to show that you've been generally increasing your athletic participation 
over time. And then the final, like, way to measure it is that their needs have been met. Again, still very broad, but a little bit more confined. And I guess kind of looking more at the SIU, like the way it impacted SIU, like broadly speaking, is in the 1970s, SIU women, women's athletics was receiving a little over 10% of the funding for athletics in general. The remaining 86% was going to men's athletics. And there was a disparity between like just health services provided to women as well. Uh, Dr. Charlotte West was telling me a story about how she had she used to coach the field hockey team because SA used to have a women's field hockey team. Fun fact. And she was telling me the story about how one of her players ended up having a concussion on the field, but they had no access to any form of medical care because the, there was a football game going on at the same time, and so the a- ambulance was parked at the football game And so what she ended up having to do is physically take her own player and drive her to the emergency room. And so fiscally, like monetarily-wise, was there a disparity, but even just like resources provided there was. And as I was researching, I found how SIU ended up having, I think, as if I can recall correctly from my paper, like three different lawsuits, one like in the 80s, 90s, and then the most... The most recent one I address in my paper is the softball one, but then during the year I was researching, there was also they were facing a lawsuit for Title IX because they had just cut the women's tennis team and men's team, and that made them non-compliant. So you've been mentioning Dr. Charlotte West a lot. Who is Dr. Charlotte West, and why does she play such a big part in your narrative? So Dr. Charlotte West was actually an alumni from SIU, and she was a coach for the women's golf team as well as the field hockey team and she worked her way up as a coach for SIU women's athletics to eventually be the athletic director for women's athletics when they were a separate thing and so she's a very big figure in my paper because she was one of the leadership administrative roles of athletics at the time all of this was going on and she was in contact with a lot of the lawyers and a lot of the legal pro- like processes of developing these requirements. And um, even after her time at SIU, she worked with kind of like about spreading the information about Title IX and kind of challenging those misconceptions. So she's a pretty important person. So Jackie, do you think Charlotte West did something beyond the call of duty or was she just in this role and was a product of the role? No, she definitely went um, above and aboard um, the call of duty. She was very vocal in her demands when it came to making sure women's athletics received equal opportunities and that women's athletes received equal funding. So she was very vocal. It wasn't just a placeholder and she was probably a big reason why SIU was so relatively successful um, in their ability to apply Title IX. So as a result of of Charlotte West, and I'm sure many other people's efforts, right, Mm -hmm. uh, SIU went from spending 91% of its its budget on on men's programs and 9% on its women's to what is it it about today after the most recent Title IX Um, suit? So I don't have the most recent numbers, but because of, actually, fun, another going to plug in here for my research. Um, Thankfully, there was an, it's called the EADA. It was like the Equity 
in athletics department. And that's an SIU program or a national program? That's a national. It was a national act that they had to, that they released. And essentially what it requires is schools have to publicly produce and provide any form of funding. And so they have to give all of the numbers that they have regarding funding so that way anyone and everyone can look it up. So if you actually go to the SAU athletics website, you can find all the reports. And from what I can remember from when I recently looked at it, which was like 2000, the 2015 report, the numbers were pretty equitable. Like it was, I think, close to like 5941 which is a lot better than 91 and 9. So, so and that, that reflects SIU's population pretty much. Yeah, um, it's pretty close. I think we're like 54 and 46. Title IX SIU, the history of Title IX SIU. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to like that narrative idea and the running line. Like, what did you discover in your research? Yeah, and so a lot of my research, again, I feel like I said this before, but might as well say it again, uh, was through special collections. And through that, I found um, a couple of lawsuits that SAU actually had to um, resolve regarding its inability to meet Title IX. Yeah, so in the 1990s, SIU faced another lawsuit, um, and that's kind of how I organized this, was like the various lawsuits suits that they faced. And the 1990s lawsuit that they faced was regarding the inequality of equipment and funding for the women's softball team and the men's baseball team. So in through these investigatory reports and all these audits that had to happen once a lawsuit is filed, um, they found that the baseball team had far more supplies. They had like 17 helmets in what's considered excellent condi condition, 50 bats, two batting cages, and then Softball was provided 12 helmets in poor condition, um, 15 bats, and one batting cage. And then even when I was looking at the images of like the softball stadium compared to the baseball stadium, the softball stadium looked like one you would find at like a park somewhere where it just kind of had like the iron cage adventure, iron cage fencing. Um, Right next to the road where they were hitting foul balls into cars? Yes, yeah. So where it used to be located, if you know where the SIU rec center is now, it's just right across from there, um, right in that kind of open field in front of the, the towers. And they would hit a foul ball over the fence because the fence was not like a big fence. And they would hit cars in the parking lot or on the street, and they would just have to deal with it. Um, and I was able to talk to the current coach, softball coach, Carrie Blaylock. She was also the coach, a coach for the team at the time. Um, and she told me the story of how they were talking about, well, we need better, um, like, just accommodations in general. And she said how the women's softball team didn't used to have, like, an on, like, on um, the premises locker room and so what they would have to do is they the girls if they wanted to change into their stuff because they were racing from classes to practice they would like go into this shed and like there would be no lights and they would have to change into their gear there just simply because they didn't have a locker room on the premises where they were practicing because 
the stadium was like a high school iron fence nothing really there and their official locker room was Davies which was what half a mile away yeah um Davies gym is probably about a quarter of a mile away still not a not a great changing no like they would have to run and then like if it's raining because they would probably be practicing in the rain they would probably be drenched by the time they would get to practice or be done with practice not to mention you got to cross at least one major highway and a train station and yeah yeah train tracks (laughs) dr professor dr (laughs) shramick um and his guidance throughout the process he helped me when it came to kind of formulating the idea how i wanted to organize it i want to thank dr charlotte west for not only saving all right so we've been talking to jackie biggs here today jackie is there anything else that you would like to get off your chest? Is there any crazy things that you came across in your research that you really want to get out there? Um, I feel like we addressed a lot of the craziness of this project um, through the other interviews, but or like throughout this interview. And I guess kind of like a final thing I would like to say would be like a form of acknowledgement um, because I am just one person, and this is not a one-person project. I had relied on, from a lot of help, on Dr. Professor, Dr. <laughs> Shramick, um, and his guidance throughout the process. He helped me when it came to kind of formulating the idea, how I wanted to organize it. I want to thank Dr. Charlotte West for not only saving mounds and mounds of files that some people could probably deem as unimportant um but saving all those files giving them to morris library but also for allowing me to kind of interview her in the process and like have a conversation with me about it um and just kind of her role in general towards women's athletics thank you for that um coach head coach carrie blaylock of the women's softball team Again, I was able to interview you. You're very open about your experiences through the lawsuit. And then also our former Title IX coordinator, Kathy Jones. I wish to thank her because she kind of helped me um, deconstruct what it meant by Title IX and helped me like understand the policy behind it. And also I would like to thank Special Collections at the Morris Library here at SIU for allowing me to basically um, just spend hours upon hours upon hours there looking through archives and for having those archives. Yeah. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you very much. Yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you for all your time and for being willing to talk to us on this uh, middle of the Sunday afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, Josh, it certainly was interesting talking to Jackie today. It most definitely was. I really appreciate her coming on the show, and I really enjoyed actually getting a chance to read her paper. Yeah, and if you would like to know more about her paper, you can always visit the cola.siu.edu slash history slash undergraduate slash legacy to find her paper and all other legacy papers dating back to 2001. Yeah, that's the thing I love about legacy. Uh, We publish undergraduate work, students who have done the best research, so you know that it's been also peer-reviewed by professors and other students who have looked over it. It's a really great thing. Um, What I especially loved about reading Jackie's paper and being able to talk to her today is how she related the importance of Title IX back to today. I think Jackie really demonstrates that Title IX provides equal opportunity not just at Southern Illinois University, but at universities across the nation 
when it's applied correctly. I agree. And just guys, remember, the next time you have to do one of those trainings, think back to the fact that the reason you're doing these trainings is so that a softball team doesn't have to change in a shed. The Saluki Till Podcast is a multi-collaboratory effort between the Creative Writing Program, the History Department, the Center for Teaching Excellence, and the University Innovation Fellows. We would like to specially thank Pickney Benedict, Dr. Joe Schrammick, Carla Berry, and Ben and I. <laughs> and ourselves for being so great. Yep. Ben, you're great. Josh, you're almost there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned. We will be releasing these podcasts bi-weekly, starting with the spring semester of 2019. No, 2020. 2020. Yeah, Ben, 2020. 2019 has ended. We're almost to a new year. A new decade. To... The decade. That's it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I can't believe it's happening. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in, and uh, you'll hear us next year.